Prepare to enter the Elf Tree. It's my goal to fuck the song up every time. You're just like singing the entire theme song. Gosh. That one was a little rough. Hi there, everybody. Hi there. Well, while Ian coughs up a lung. While Ian is losing his shit. Uh, my name is Joe. And my name is Ian. We did it backwards. We it's, did. I think this is the first show where I've said my name first. Flip-flop, dude. It's uh, it's like relativity <laughs> and the yeah. wormhole. Oh, shit. All that shit. We're going through the wormholes. <laughs> it's Ian and Joe. We're here another beautiful uh, Los Angeles morning, afternoon. It it's is. an I afternoon mean, it's time, like, I guess. You know, it's like 1 o'clock, yeah. Something like that. One Sunny. By now, even. It's getting warm out. So there's lots of people in this country that are cold already. It is. It's very, it's very weird to be here in California where everything is still very hot and sunny and dry uh, and, and realize that other states in the same country are getting snow, everything's mm-hmm. cold, everybody's all bundled up in layers yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and I'm literally sitting here <laughs> in shorts and a t-shirt sweating my balls off. I know. I, was walk- I walked out this morning with Maddie, and I put on like a little... You know, I had a little zip up and my, you know, sweats on and shit. And I'm walking outside. I'm like, damn, it's kind of hot out here. Yeah. But like over, you know, the middle of the night, it's cold. It does. It's it like does. Freezing it's, outside. That's what the desert is. Is yeah. is there's direct sunlight and it's got an atmosphere to where it kind of just pulls it all in as much as possible. But then it's also got this atmosphere in which it also just like, oh, source of heat's gone. We're just gonna. Yeah, it's you, all gone. You got to get kind of like savvy with the way you, uh, like in the middle of the night, you open your windows and let all the cold air in yeah. so you can trap it whenever it gets hot outside and then you can, your house stays cold all day without having to use an AC. Exactly. It's fucking genius. Save some money. The earth is genius. If only uh, <laughs> if only more people knew about that. If only. The whole opening of windows thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> if only people could just realize they all they have to do is open the windows. It's like yeah. someone driving a car that farts and they're like, this is just god awful. A car that farts? Hey, man, just open... No, if you're, someone's driving and they fart in the oh, car, oh, and they just don't the realize they should just open the windows. As someone who has no ability to open the windows mentally, well, they have to be taught. Sometimes you have no <laughs> ability to open the windows physically, because, you know, either, either you know, your your cranks doesn't doesn't work, oh, your, yeah. your crank doesn't work, or... Uh, Do they or, still sell cars with the, the little yeah, crank? I think so. I mean, I, I've definitely oh, rented cars that still have those, uh, the, the hand crank. But then either that or... Uh, you got a dickhead who is yeah. like, "Ooh, I got a good one cooking," and they're just like, "Muck cooking, click," and they uh, they turn on child safety. You oh know, yeah, the the, the, the oh, window yeah. locks and stuff like that. Like whenever they got that and one friend in the like, car. Bleh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> dude, you think that's uh, the safer bet is to have a car with roll down windows? Because if you ever plunge off a, like a cliff into water. You're not necessarily beholden to electricity and and yeah. power to get those windows down. I mean, possibly, sure. Yeah, because don't people have those? Uh, I remember watching this video about like, oh, everyone should have this little safety thing that you put in your car. It's almost like a little nail that you stick. Like if you're ever submerged in water, yeah. you literally just put this nail. You have to hold your breath, put this nail up to your glass, and then you pop it with your palm, and oh. it's supposed to shatter the glass in. Oh, okay. And gosh, can you imagine that pressure flinging at you? God. Well, I mean, if you're if you're in a car that is completely sealed, and mm-hmm. then you're submerged underwater and suddenly smash the glass, and yeah. it all comes in, I imagine it feels like... Uh, much like what Matt Damon felt oh, in, man. in Interstellar when he blew that air, yes. airlock, dude. I mean, dude, I was prepared for it. What you're supposed to do real quick, what you're supposed to do is you pop it, you let the water fill in bef- because you can't open your door because of the pressure. Right. So once you're just supposed to wait it out, hold your breath, yep. let the water fill up, and then once the kind of balances out, then it you equals. can open your doors and you can swim out to safety. Yeah, so exactly. For those of you that ever uh, plunge into the water or you're in space like... Uh, like uh, Matt Damon. Like Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt <laughs> Damon. <laughs> so, dude, you went Interstellar this morning. I you... did. I did. I, I I realized from the first viewing of Interstellar that this is a movie that just, I mean, went miles and miles over my head with yeah. certain parts of, of everything that was going on. Uh, intricate. It was an intricate-ass movie. It was. Very intricate. And there was just... I mean, so many little bit, bits of information that had to be put in as as swiftly and efficiently as possible mm-hmm. that in order to get the big stuff, you had to let some of the little stuff go. 
Um, like I didn't understand that the the world has been uh, attacked by this thing called blight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it, uh, it it's a it's like a parasite. Essentially, or? yeah, it's a fungus yeah. or a parasite that that kills plants. And you know, certain um, certain plants, I guess, were a little bit more immune to it than others. You know, because the the wheat was the first to go, apparently, and then okra, and then uh, corn was going to be the last. And uh, it's always the essential ones, right? <clears throat> well, I mean, it's it's the genetically modified ones that'll stick yeah. around a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, it's but it's it's a it's a living, breathing organism. I mean, you know, it's a fungus, and mm-hmm. so what it uh, it produces nitrogen, or no, 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 it breathes something about it is it's it's breathing in nitrogen, and we are it's it's. Ex- uh, exuding something other than oxygen, so it's not replenishing the it's oxygen. like carbon dioxide or something. I mean, it's it's some it's something it's, we can't breathe. It's nitrogen. I mean, that's that's another thing. I mean, even having seen it twice now, um, mm. I got those those elements, but not necessarily real the quick spoilers. Science in it. This is a spoiler ridden show. All of it. All the of whole it. show. From here forward, we'll be, be talking spoilers. about interstellar. I mean, so. essentially, this you know part of it. Well, a good a good chunk of the show might be dedicated to interstellar as a kind of a part two to the. The uh, three, three movie goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We did uh, three movie goes with Martin. We uh, did. We did. When the, I guess the weekend the movie came out on Saturday. First, yeah, the, uh, that was our first reactions mm-hmm. to the movie. We hadn't really had any time to uh, to sit and and let it marinate in our yeah. heads and kind of really think about what we were doing. These were our our genuine first reactions. Yeah, and I think we did a. I mean, a very honest job of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, th- I mean. There were things that you guys just didn't like, and there were things no. that I I just thought were amazing. Uh, yeah, and there were there were moments that ah, I don't know, man. I I noticed actually having listened to the show that there were moments in which I would get uh, I would it'd be almost like I was taking something a little personally. Yeah, and thinking wow, that's uh, such a such a weird thing. I, yeah. I sh- no reason for me to have done that, and that's all. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of a, Man, a silly thing. It's, it's it's a natural thing. Like I was, you know, because even watching the movie, I mean, just like that, us discussing the film and kind of trying to figure out what each one of us, how our perspectives picked it up and took the information in. Like this is the kind of film, like when I was watching it, the parts where I like besides the acting and stuff, because I think Matthew McConaughey is a great, great fucking actor. I do feel like he is the same person in every film he's in. Yeah. I don't think he ever changes personally. I just don't really see it. Yeah. But I do think he nails every film he's in. The parts of the film that really got to me that made me disconnect was really um, usually just the parts that had to do with the human emotion of someone um, retracting. Like they're very, like there's someone interstellar traveling right now. And then they would get in these petty arguments on the ship about stupid behaviors like or or choices they would have to make and I'm but I guess it was all a lot of it was information each one of them didn't really necessarily know which yes. was later revealed <laughs> right right um but still it was like man if if I was out there in some other complete dimension uh in space yeah well but you're not in another dimension in space anymore well, yeah, you're still in your same Technically, dimension. you're still in space. You pull your dimension you've, into another, so... Essentially, yes, you've... you've but Everything's not, connected. But it's not, though. It's not, it's not about different dimensions, per se, it's so much as it is about traveling through those dimensions to mm-hmm. get to another point in space. Yeah. So essentially, yes, I mean, they're, they're like, when they go through the wormhole and they're traveling around, then suddenly mm-hmm. they go... They get sucked in, and then when they come out, they are just... 10 bajillion miles out there yeah. as opposed to like in the same spot, but with mm-hmm. a different dimension, you know, like yeah. bizarro world from Superman. I mean, it just, it just shows you that like, you know, even going through a wormhole, yeah. you're still pulling a piece of your dimension through a wormhole. So if like you and I were to travel through another, into another dimension, mm-hmm. our dimension is in that dimension because we're there. So, because we're there, everything's connected in the sense that we are we are ambassadors of our dimension. If we can pull our physical form to another, you know that that's like the part of uh, going through wormholes and stuff. I, I have a question saying. with wormholes, only in the sense that would our physical particled body make it through? Which, if everything's connected, which I believe it is, yeah. What is another dimension? Do those other dimensions even exist, or is it just our consciousness being aware to those dimensions? You know, right? 
well, I mean, what's a wormhole? What mm-hmm. is an actual wormhole? Can we as physical beings actually pass through a wormhole? I mean, I know that I don't know the answer to that. There are many, many people out there far, far. We're not talking about a wormhole birds are looking for. Far more, <laughs> far more studied than I am yeah. uh, about this information. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, all I can do is, is philosophize about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not really that, that, you know, not going to be all that. Oh, what's the word? Insightful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, ultimately, people have been talking about this and they've questioned this stuff for for forever. I mean, we watch this. I mean, even this film, we have a grid up that shows the whole we timeline do. of this thing. It's unbelievable. We'll have a link on the website so you can see the grid if you're listening. It says it says that it's. I mean, every indication on this is that it could possibly be a a an official document and yeah. an official kind of graph. Uh, Diagram. Did you say diagram? Is that what you said earlier? Graph diagram, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, like a map. It is. It's kind of a, a, a legend, a key for. Uh, for Enter the elf com. We have the link. Figuring out uh, Interstellar, and it's, uh, it's many different. It's many different timelines and, mm. and shifts and it's beautifully put together. It is. It is. It starts, you know, I mean, it kind of gives everybody's relationships to. Uh, Earth and in time factor on Earth being like zero, you know, yeah. it's, it's the control. Mm-hmm. And then wherever they happen to go, they've got all those different worlds. Um, and something about the the way that gravity affects those particular planets um, relative to the way gravity affects Earth mm-hmm. is, you know, the farther out you go and the closer to this, like, apparently black hole gargantua. Yeah. Um, time just slows down and that's such a mm-hmm. i mean that's kind of a mind opening mind blowing yeah so while they're spending like inside. an hour in one planet uh here we're spending 7 years and that's, that person's only experiencing an hour in there. yes which uh, i mean okay i can i can <laughs> hop on board the that you're telling me that this is fact mm-hmm. uh but my brain definitely cannot figure that out for myself it can't it can't justify that because I don't, I just don't have the knowledge. Do you think it would make us feel better to know that maybe an hour here on Earth, and there's another smaller planet somewhere else where it's like seven years on that planet? Well, that's that's kind of what uh, what Shelby and Simon and I have had a conversation once about that yeah. in terms of our relative time and speed as uh, compared to that of like an ant mm-hmm. or something like that. And then on the flip side of it, somebody that was you know a thousand feet high. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's one of those things that the bigger you are, um, I guess the more force gravity has on you, yeah. the slower. I wonder if. Well, it's the densities that- of each planet. Like every planet is going to have its own densities. So we right. would weigh different, you know, weights right. on different. But I just don't understand. I don't understand in my own head yet how that affects time. Yeah. You oh, know, dude. That's I the think weird time part. is not real. That's the hard thing is we're trying to make sense of time. But time as a dimension is real. It has to be real in in the sense that it doesn't have to be real. I guess it doesn't have to be real. It has to be real in our heads because we're human. We live in a But it's the consciousness of like, you know, so his consciousness is over on this other, in this other, uh, through the wormhole on this other planet. So Matthew McConaughey's on this other planet. They're trying to get this, uh, these pieces of another ship, right? Is that what they were looking for? In the water with those big waves when the big waves came? In the water. They go, this is the first world they go to. It's Miller's mm-hmm. world. And it's the one that they are most concerned with an hour on this planet because it's so close to Gargantua. Mm-hmm. Uh, an hour on this planet is is seven years on and the Earth. tidal waves are fucking crazy because of the pull, I guess, <laughs> the gravity. They get on, yeah, they get on this. Yes, exactly. It's because mm-hmm. of the pull and the gravity of it all. Because if you think about it, look at how they landed. Mm-hmm. They landed on water, but their their landing gear and them their their it was feet, like a foot deep. You know, it was mm-hmm. like eight inches to a foot deep, and and. So you just kind of wonder, well, how in the world is that mm-hmm. possible? Maybe it's it's got something to do with their uh, uh, technology, like they've got you know maglifts on their boots or something like that. Oh yeah. Until you realize that it is literally the gravity of this black hole that's causing one the giant tidal waves, and those yeah. giant tidal waves are sucking all the water back down to where there's only a foot of water. Yeah. That's they're literally standing on what would be the ocean bed, yeah. and. Uh, this person who they're they're there to get has crashed, yeah, and yeah. they're but their beacon was somehow tripped, um, or it was it may, they may not have necessarily crashed so much as they were destroyed by the giant tidal wave, yeah, uh, but their beacon was still going off. Yep, yep. 
And that was the weird part about it is they were like, well, goodness, the 10 years, why has it been going off for so long? How could we have known? And in reality, I mean, she had only crash landed there maybe an hour or two before yeah. they got there, theoretically. Gosh. And uh, might have only perished just minutes Yeah, that blew my mind there. when they said that. I was like, fuck. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, talking about time, it just it seems so uh, interesting to like think about like you talking about uh, talking about that with uh, Shelby yeah and um, it, you guys were mentioning like okay what is time and how does it how is it relative to all these different places in the universe yeah if everything's connected and we're just consciousness and the only like our only because um, this is what they're telling us in movies and in research and. But no, none of us have ever been out there, and we've never come back, so we don't really know. We're, we're assuming through um, equations and yeah. theories and things like that, which are brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant stuff. But none of us have been there. We don't know, you know? And so we're gauging time based on our own personal consciousness of our life experience. Yes. And it's just fascinating to think... If we, if we, and we've been taught to do that, you know what I mean? Like we're yeah. taught, these are the stages of your life. But if you're taught to be completely free of that, like yeah. say we're traveling on the ship with, with McConaughey and Hathaway and we're just in this thing and all of a sudden you're detached from the old world. Yeah. You are now, anything is possible. Mm. So you're no longer uh, thinking about your own timeline because you either have to be checking a calendar, mm. checking your watch, checking how much time do we have left in our yeah, oxygen. Exactly. You're always connected to this thing of time of how much do I have until well, my consciousness will have to just leave these particle bodies that we're in, which is yeah, another exactly. thing that blows my mind about them going <laughs> through the wormhole. Yeah, They're literally bringing their particles to another part of space. Interesting. So I didn't think about that. Their consciousness is con connected to all time. So it's like... Hmm. How, I mean, that's how he was able to interact with his daughter mm -hmm. in the Tesseract. Yeah. And I mean, we're jumping to the end of the movie here. So like uber spoilers. Oh yeah. Um, the Tesseract. Did I tell you what that is? No. <clears throat> okay. So throughout the story, they're trying to get away from the gravitational pull of this, this black hole gargantua, right? Yeah. So, but what they need is the information of the collapsed star and how it manipulates gravity yeah. in order to solve the, the equation that Michael Caine's working on mm -hmm. and get everybody off. Mm -hmm. So he goes in, he and TARS go into the black hole and they're in that, that world where yeah. time is now represented by those streams of light yeah. or, uh, or the violin strings and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Look like you know? the hairs of a violin bow. They did. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, that is called a tesseract. Okay, so and that I, was a tesseract. I didn't know that, but they it, until I did hear Tars say it in the movie, I didn't really put two and two together that that's what that was. Um, but these like fifth dimensional beings that are human, humankind evolved yeah. over, you know, it's like basically jumping into a kaleidoscope of memories, <clears throat> timeline. They, well, I mean, it's a it's a fifth dimensional anomaly by which they were able to, in Matthew McConaughey's consciousness, create a three dimensional. Because mm -hmm. remember, they're in a fifth dimension, three dimensional um, representation of literally how time works. Yeah, and he's able to reach through and manipulate yeah. gravitational elements of time. Mm -hmm. In order to oh, send yeah. a message, the whole watch part where he's doing the little time and you that see his finger cool. doing that, yeah, cheek, that was cool. Cheek, 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 cheek. Um, yeah. But what I thought was cool was uh, when he, because I paid more attention now to the first message he sent with the coordinates, mm -hmm. uh, with the the lines oh, and all yeah, that yeah, through yeah. the dust. Yep, he like waves his hand over and then he's just like, whoosh, just yep, making a slice through yep. uh, of just just disturbing the dust ever so slightly. But because of what he's doing, he's able to manipulate gravity. As he's flying through this Tesseract, he's talking mm -hmm. to TARS, and he talks about these beings have access to any moment, anywhere in time, yeah. time and space. They've, able, they've figured out how to control and, and manipulate their way through time and space. Which is McConaughey in the fifth dimension. Well. Because he reaches out. They touches Anne Hathaway's him. hand. <coughs> so he was a being. They needed him because as a human being, we are bound by time, which means we can latch on to moments in time. They can't. That was something that I, I, I learned through this second viewing of the movie. 
these beings, while they're able to manipulate and, and control time, they're not able to focus in on a single moment in time in order to make a change like that. So that's why they needed Matthew McConaughey, somebody yeah. from the 22nd century on Earth, like very bound by that zero control element of time, Yeah, uh, to be able to have a time in his mind, in his consciousness, that he could literally transport back to and manipulate. Yeah the gravitational elements to to kind of leave clues for him him and his daughter. Yeah. So he is the that that's how the he becomes the they mm-hmm. that was referred to way early on in the movie. Yeah. It was crazy to to watch this movie a second time knowing what's going on now. Uh-huh. Cuz yeah, I did watch it from from a, a a totally different perspective. It's like a full circle film. <laughs> it makes me wonder how how challenging it would have been for Christopher Nolan to to make something like that. Even with the knowledge that he's Absolutely. got, he yeah. has to be able to shut off that part of his brain that is just screaming the logic of what he already knows. Matthew McConaughey is the one doing all this thing and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. He has to be able to feel the emotion that, that the first half of the movie has, <laughs> even though we now know yeah. what is causing it in the second half. Yeah. It's, it's such a, you just kind of, it's the faith you have to have in order to get to the facts. Yeah. And that was something that they, they, explored a lot in this movie. Do you think man being bound by time is true? Or do you think it's something that's true only because our own species and experience has said it's true? And so that's all we know is, is we have been bound by this, uh, like our consciousness, yeah. you know? Because yeah. we're just particles. Like hmm. my brain just cannot separate from that. I can't separate from the fact that like we all are, our cells always renew themselves continuously as yes. long as we take care of ourselves or obviously our environment and right. I'm sure that stuff. I don't know. I, I mean, it affects us. Like I know people get cancer and stuff, but. Well, like, I mean, smog, you know, um, pollution and smog and stuff like that literally affects people's respiratory systems and yeah. things like that. So yeah, all of that affects us. But there's parts of me that like wonder, you know, cause if we're just these conscious beings in these bodies that yeah. can, you know, go interstellar traveling yeah. hy- hypothetically, which I believe humans are doing. I, I believe it's possible. I think it, it, it's, it's either happening now or could happen very soon in the future just because it is math. It's, it's equations. It's, um, it's not, gosh, it's not, like, it's not like creating, just stumbling upon fire. Yeah. They are literally, I mean, they, they have to have their facts down in yeah. order for any of this to work. And so, you know, I mean, I shit. I but there's know. no facts, really, because the only facts we have are just. Um, but that's all we can go off of. Yeah, but it doesn't make them fact. You know uh, what I mean? But what is fact? Fact. Um, you have to wonder if fact what is, is fact? something that's perceived by a being. Like, yeah. we can perceive fact, but that's not fact for a fifth dimensional interstellar being yeah. who knows more knows yeah. different things, has other different information. I mean, uh, fact is as factual to us as we can perceive it. Just we like could say time, like, just like time is as, as all that we can perceive of time, um, is, is the aging and degradation of, of us as a, a body and, yeah. and the day and, you know, all those kinds of things. I mean, those are the only things that we can, well, it's uh, almost like perceive at this moment to say like a fact. Okay. Fact is, um. Okay, fact would be all of us, like any issue that we ever come across, it's usually has a root situation. And yeah. if you dig deep enough, you find that. You find the root. Absolutely. So that's like a fact. You can go, okay, why are there poor people in the country, in, in the world? Yeah. Well, because we live under blah, because blah, blah, blah. Because people like you go down FEMA that- are trying to take back money from hurricane <laughs> Exactly. Which they are. They're actually trying to take back money from uh, disabled like, residents. Like, in what way? Do they just, like, send them a letter and, and like, you know, hey, we've, we, it's know. time to I repay guess a your bill. debts. I yeah, mean, I guess they sent them a bill, or it's like they did some sort of audit to where, what happened is a lot of these people were displaced during Hurricane Katrina, and... um essentially were given aid and were put into these FEMA camp kind of situations where their housing was covered, but they were given money. They were given checks to specifically cover their, um, their housing living situation. Yeah. 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 But they were basically loans. They, they didn't know they were taking loans or at least 
you know, what what the people are claiming or they didn't know they were loans. Maybe they just didn't read the uh, the fine print in the whole charade of chaos. I mean, dude, that's a very chaotic time to get someone to sign a piece of paper. <coughs> well, that's a little predatory. If, it, if, absolutely. If people like FEMA do that for those particular reasons, that'd be a predatory move. Yeah. I mean, yes, FEMA provided something that people in need needed, but... FEMA was the one who was in their right minds and was able to think of what they were having these people sign. Well, isn't it in your isn't it in your spirit you're going, okay, if there's a if there's a disaster, there's okay, well, the government has FEMA. So they're gonna come in and those funds that are protected through tax dollars or whatever <laughs> are I know, right? Quote unquote, tax dollars are paying for FEMA. So all of a sudden they're they're aiding people with this money that was allotted to help people in those situations. Right. And now all of a sudden they're wanting people to pay this money back. And you're sitting there going, wait, this is tax dollars that was paying to help the wounded. It's not like I mean, an insurance company wouldn't ask me for my money back. They're not giving me money to take care of the stuff that was stolen. Mm-hmm just so that I can then repay it back. Yeah. Like that's the, so I don't necessarily think that that's the way that FEMA should necessarily run, but if they do, well, there's they do people have got to know about it. Well, they're claiming um basically that people, you know, were supposed to spend that money that was given um specifically on housing. And so but a lot of these people were like we had we spent it all on food. We didn't have food. Yeah. So we we're buying food with it. And we Yo, were put you in guys a, gave us housing. And they gave them housing. So the basically the loans they were getting the same connecting dots knew where those people were being housed. Yeah. So yeah. There's that's the case. You know, it's okay. Who knew about this linkage, and well, how are they going to, you know, I mean, figure that situation? Yeah, exactly. Who's gonna Who's going to do anything about it? Who's gonna fact? Who's gonna fight it? All of it exists because of said structures of corruption. <laughs> wow. There we go. That's what a fact is. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Say that again. Fact. All of this charade, because no one should have to pay back anything. Like everyone's wanting their money. Everyone's wanting this. Blah 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 blah. Money's made up. So fact. Money is an illusion, and we're creating all this chaos. And this conversation we're even talking about is based on nothingness. It's made on. It's based on a made-up, structured thing that doesn't really benefit anybody. People, wow, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, fuck. It just made me realize that as we were talking about this, I'm like, why are we talking about this, Manny? You know, unfortunately, there's people really dealing with these things, but yeah. ultimately, it's nonsense. It shouldn't be even happening. You're you right. Know? You're right. It's just craziness. Well, but that's also, I mean. Maddie wants to play right now. She's like flinging her rope around. She is. She, is. <laughs> she gets dangerous with that shit too. Did you find any other like key things that we didn't discuss on the three movie goes that? I mean, I, I I've only listened to it once or twice through, so yeah. I don't I don't really remember a lot of the plot holes. But one thing that I did notice was on Saturday we saw Interstellar uh, at at an IMAX theater that was 70 millimeter. Yeah. Yeah. It was film. Um, it was, uh, a very crystal clear projected piece, uh, of art that you could see little bits of dust every once in a while caught in the projector. I mean, I haven't seen that in years. Yeah. I haven't seen that forever. Um, I saw it today at an IMAX theater that was Mm -hmm. digital projected IMAX. Uh, the screen was not as tall. So the, the scope of the movie was not as big. um, I could see the pixels oh, no. in various shots of the movie. Interesting. There were parts where, like, for instance, when they get to Saturn, there's a big old honking massive shot of Saturn. And yeah. You're like, oh, okay, it's Saturn. And then suddenly you notice this little white dot. Yep. Just, I mean, tiny, tiny little ass yep. white dot just floating across the screen. And you're like, oh, my gosh, that's the big old ship that they're on. That's the yeah. endurance. Today, I saw... Four, sometimes five or six little pixels. Oh, of interesting. White. And I mean, I because spe- it was so small, I could specifically see the pixels. That's insane. It's a very bizarre thing. So this this is my opportunity to to come clean uh, and not necessarily apologize, but now now concede the point to Mister Shelby Cook that LIMAX is indeed 
some bullshit. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of your like your AMC IMAX theaters and most of your IMAX theaters are now digital projection. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure is it's not true is IMAX. Cleaner, not cleaner. Uh, I'm sure is is cheaper mm-hmm. and you know easier to maintain and all that kind of stuff. But goodness, if if there are some of these theaters that still have 70 millimeter projectors, yeah, I think that that there should still be if they're going to be releasing movies like this, they should, there still should be movies released in 70 millimeter. Film. Absolutely, because it is. I mean, there's there was a humongous difference. Um, yeah, and it was so. gorgeous. I mean, the whole thing was it was freaking gorgeous. I mean, I mean, both times, both times <laughs> to organize that beautiful. <laughs> I'll tell you the colors in worlds like the the water world, but even on the on the the man's world the ice world yeah um some of those colors man are just just the the reds of the human f- the the their faces skin colors mm-hmm. and stuff like that really stood out uh the blue and the orange of their like the the linings and their spacesuits and yeah stuff like that really stood out so so it, you liked you liked the imax version uh that we saw on saturday better than the digital better than the digital imax version absolutely wow absolutely nice. i mean they were both but again for color and and detail and stuff like that they were both you know brilliant but i mean film there's just there's nothing there's nothing really that can compare uh after having seen interstellar nothing both both ways nothing compares what is that nothing compares to you <laughs> that's a song when you said nothing well, yes. compares, I know it's a song. Who's uh, what song oh, is that? I can't remember. I have no idea. People are going to be like, "Oh, it's blah 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 blah." Write us in. Somebody from the '90s. Write into us on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. I'm so gonna, I'm going to blow your mind a little bit. Okay. So when they're flying down onto Matt Damon's planet, mm-hmm. uh, they're flying through all the clouds, they, and then yeah, they yeah. fly, and suddenly they clip a frozen cloud. Yep. And then they land on the planet, mm-hmm. and they go find Matt Damon and everything like that. Yeah. Except they're not landing on a planet. They're landing on top of these frozen clouds that are floating in the sky. Oh. I only saw that, I only noticed that today because I got a scoped view. Like I, I, I looked back at the bigger picture. And in the background of some of these shots, you can see mm. these giant holes where they're on this. You can kind of see the background like miles and miles and miles down farther yeah um through these holes in essentially the plane that they're on um of oh wow and so that's that's them in clouds it's crazy man very uh as for something like that to be floating and yet as bulky and stable as it was so that just shows you how desolate that place was when they it were. Was. He was like, "There's nothing here." So even down on the ground, it's just frozen. If it's that cold, that high up, yeah. Then, uh, although it could, well, be it warmer. is cold high up in the up in the clouds. I was gonna know? say, yeah, but you know what? If it's that cold, that high up, I don't imagine any heat is getting through. Yeah, it would be a constant freeze down on the bottom. Exactly. Exactly. So that's and it's I, inconceivable to think. I wonder if that's part of what what they uh, were. Matt Damon was showing him. You know, when he like took the contrib off and shoved him down into the the gully and whatnot. Oh, was yeah, was like a waterfall. I mean, that's the only thing that because that part was a little bit of the ice was different than yeah. the ice that they'd been on this entire time. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I I kind of gathered as they were looking over the edge of one of these clouds, these frozen clouds, and you could see this massive waterfall. But it's I mean, it's just a Man. giant glacier. I'm glad they didn't uh, really make us wait. For them to put on all their spacesuits and yeah. stuff. That would have taken forever. <laughs> that movie would have been a long movie if we had had to like, do, do it in, in somewhat real time. Yeah, because they like, you know, because all the scenes where they're back in the ship um, and they're, you know, waking each other up yeah. from their deep sleeps, you know? Oh, yeah. So they just show you where they're awake, just in the ship. Exactly. Like they would just kind of cut to scenes okay. where they're already awake. They but don't... I mean, you don't always show anybody just waking up all the time. Unless yeah. there's a reason. You know, <laughs> it's like, like the same process. Yeah, it's yeah, like exactly. three hours of them hurling, like throwing up. <laughs> Can you imagine? Why? Like Wait, once they on, co- in space, you mean? Yeah, like once, oh, they, oh, yeah, once yeah. they wake up, what if it was a process that every time they their body drains of all its fluids, they're like barfing for three hours? And that's the part they don't show you, you know. They're like, ah, no one wants to see that. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, that's that's why it's, it's not part of the process. You signed up. <laughs> glamorous thing to be a part of, I guess. You know, they had to trick people. So, dude, would you would you go? Absolutely. And if you were going towards the black hole this. like that, would you would you be staying all like, <sighs> or would you lose your mind like a goddamn madman and just be like, <gasps> I don't know. Here we go, motherfuckers. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's probably what I would do. I would probably just, I mean, because because everyone's just screaming at the I would. top of their lungs. On I would LSD. just be like, "Oh my god!" and just fucking. <laughs> I would. I would go for it though. Yeah. Don't you think like that would be the one time where if you're traveling in space and you're like you're about to legitimately go through a, a black hole yeah. and all your instrumentation, as far as you know, is not going to really work. Right. Once you get through, or while you're going through it, or something. Um, well, you have no idea what's going to happen. I but mean, they yeah, should let you like take some DMT or something, right? <laughs> like when you're going through it? No, dude. Like let the ship be on its own. Uh, at that point, you should definitely have autopilot. So why well, not let everybody think. be at the top of their like psychedelic tripping out game to go through this moment to where they're not going to be detached, you know, emotionally scared, you know, like, <gasps> you know, you'd be a little more free in it, right? It's that's true. But you know what? I uh, I wonder if that would. You'd be diving through waterfalls as a dolphin. People would be. <laughs> What? Going through it, like you'd be completely tripping out and you'd be going into oh, the wormhole. Oh, going through the wormhole. Yeah, you'd be about diving it, like, through a waterfall like a or dolphin. Like, or like spawning upstream like salmon. All these, like, Yeah, exactly. All these other fifth dimension beings are like, whoa, the humans are here. They're here in a big way, folks. <laughs> it's a little school of humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, what was I? Uh, uh, oh, shit. What was I going to say? Uh, you were talking about salmon swimming upstream to no, sperm on things. No, it was before that. It was oh. before that. Uh, Damn. Well, we were talking about diving, going through the wormhole. Like, would you go? Would you do it? Would you be willing to get on a ship and just go off into this, onto this journey where you'd have to put yourself into these deep sleeps? I mean, yes, absolutely. <sighs> Isn't absolutely. that crazy to think about? I mean, because that is how you achieve, I mean, one of the closest things to immortality, if you yeah. think about it. Like, he was Matthew McConaughey looked, which, by the way, I, 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 it's such a long process to say all these people's first and last names. Yeah. There's got to be a better way. Matt. Matty Matt, McCon. Matty McCon. Matty Con. Matt Cons. Matt Con. Matty Con. Cooper goes into, into the, the, onto this mission. And, you know, I assumed I did, I did take a listen and they didn't really ever say what age he was. Yeah. But I, I always kind of assumed he was, you know, like late thirties, like 38, 39 years old. So by the time he gets out of that black hole, He's mm-hmm. he's at least been gone two years because there was two years to get to Saturn, right? Yeah. At the beginning. And then he goes and it's it might have been maybe an extra couple of months, mm-hmm. maybe a year. So three years max. So he's he's like in his early forties. Yeah. But his daughter's like fucking ninety years old. Well, he should have just basically cooped her up in a ship and shot her off to those same islands, let her let her just hang out for an hour or two, and well, then she, she could come back and they could be old together. <laughs> Well, you know what? I thought about that too, but I was like, no, there's no, there's no reason for him to do that because he's he's save the emotional turmoil. He's getting the opportunity to to go and and yeah. do what he was always meant to do. And yeah. he's, uh, I mean, in theory, living forever, yeah. doing it. Because it's almost he, like he puts his cape on and he just takes off in that ship, like he does. onto the next adventure. He does, man, and it's it's great. Christopher Nolan does epilogues really well. Yeah, he is. I think you know. I mean, ever since ever since the Dark Knight and. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing with, you know, Inception, Dark Knight yeah. Rises, and then this. I mean, his his little last moment after his after he's like, <laughs> this is the only phrase that came into my mind, so I'm just gonna have to say it. It is what it is. After he's blown his wad at the yeah. at the squirt squirt with with the Tesseract in the movie yeah. and everything, and like Matthew McConaughey comes out and he shakes Anne Hathaway's hand, and then yeah, yeah. I was trying to do silence like he's in space. Oh, he comes out and he goes. And uh, and then it goes black. Yep. And then he wakes up, and you're like, "Oh shit, there's more to this story." Mm-hmm. And then Matthew McConaughey is just ready to go on this next mission, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Almost makes you want to like be there with him. He steals a ship, so he uh, he, does, he committed a crime. You know what? It's, uh, he committed a crime before he left. The the <laughs> ship is uh, it's on it belongs to a station that's got his name on it. So they rescued him, and he stole from them. He did. Well, it's like a it's like a ghost, right? Yeah. Well, it was his daughter. She was like, "Go!" You know, like she knew. She, she was, told him. Yeah. She told. And him. she owned the damn place, basically. He right? should have left a little sticky note was on, the, on the 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 parking space. Be yeah. Like, uh, Murph said it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Murph gave me permission. Because think about it. I mean, they're not gonna. I mean, what are they gonna do? Nothing. They're not gonna go they'll chase build another after one. Him. Exactly. They'll just we'll build bring, another damn they'll, ship. They'll ship another one in. If you can build one, you can build two. <laughs> Well, you know what? Unless you only have enough materials to build one. Ah, oh, yeah, but 
But if you're living out in space, they can ship out. I mean, if you're interstellar traveling, you can go get different things from different. GM can ship out all the all the parts (laughs) to. I'm sure there's some sort of like alien trade commissions, like you know, just like the waterways here on Earth. There's like these. That would be crazy to like you know shipping walk into a spaceship rental uh, rental agency. What kind of tools do you need? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I need a jackhammer. Use your mind. (laughs) I can't. I'm a human. And you think that's what like the Green Lantern thing was? Like he's got that that power ring that literally can project and become anything that he needs it to be yeah, weapon wise I mean, and stuff. I mean, that's that's the power of your mind. It's the power of your mind. It's almost like uh, what Tars could do in the film. And he t- you're like, whoa, wow. he's a new shape. Tars you know? was Tars was great again. Could constantly for second, shape himself. What was his name? Bill uh, Bill Irwin. Bill Irwin. Yeah. Man, shout out to Bill Irwin. He mm-hmm. he pulled off this yeah, he was great. very dry comedy very, very well. Dude, something you said about the movie in Three Movie Goes, which, you know, because it was our first reactions to it, it in, that, in that episode. And yeah. so, um, but, and you said it well, you said it perfectly. And it was the movie, the movie Christopher Nolan beautifully orchestrated this story, this, this thing. And I think that was dead on to describe that movie. It was mm. well put together, like, to to even try to write that story out in a novel would be it's it's a monumental task. I mean right. that's Da Vinci Code kind of logic that yeah. you're playing with, and so which oh gosh that that in and of itself logic of of things like the Da Vinci Code that's that's a whole different way of thinking. Well, it's, they're wormholes. You're you're sitting yeah. there connecting our human spirits to to different realms you to, know to, i mean yes to different realities literally to a fictional a fictional thing on on the other side of a screen or on a page or you know we're there with these characters well think about it. it's like people living and like our daily lives right here yeah like you and i doing this yeah imagine us trying to put see the world through the daily life of the pope or oh. the daily life of you know what I mean? Yeah. Someone who's doing some someone at a very high level who's doing something corrupt. Where what is their daily life like? So put know. yourself in their shoes and and then realize there there's a reason there's a disconnect of realities all over the planet. Even, right. You know, from a homeless person to someone who makes thirty thousand dollars a year to a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, everyone's got their own reality of what's important and. It's mind-blowing shit. I mean, you watch this interstellar movie, you see everyone interacting on Earth yeah. in this crisis situation, right. and who's responding to the call? Like Matthew McConaughey, Matthew... Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Matthew yeah, McConaughey yeah. did. Yeah, Bill Murray shows up and... The ghost of Harold Ramis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's Venkman? Venkman. Um, but no, it's, I mean, everyone's dealing with the situation going, okay, everyone has their, their choices to make. Like, yes. um, like his son uh, refused to leave the farm. He, he was stuck in the farm. So to create a distraction in order to like try to save, um, you know, Murph tries to save his kids and his wife. Yes. So she burns part of the field way, way yonder. See, but if, if her brother had decided to come at that moment with the family mm-hmm. and everything, she wouldn't have turned around. She exactly. Have, she wouldn't have felt that need to turn around. Exactly. Um, I mean, some could call that just the way it was written. It was all, well, it's everything. It's synchronicity. It's like, you sit there and go the exact timing that it needed for them to burn the field, for the brother to be away, for uh, Topher Grace to not be in the house, bothering and distracting her. Right. He was keeping a lookout. So he did did a good job. Yeah. So all these elements came together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He had this like thin little, and I was they like, always Man. do this funny humor with this guy. Like they always put him in these roles and they always let his person, I feel like that's like a part of his personality is like, what's funny about him? Well, his only way of defense would not be to fight with his fists. It's, yeah. He has to pull this. He's got to pull something <laughs> like that. I mean, I think, I think that he's, he's, and you know what? Actually, that was something I was going to, if it doesn't derail too terribly. Dude, the, go wherever uh, you want. This is high dare. The, no rules. <laughs> this, is, this is high dare, man. Um, Matthew McConaughey, you said that he is pretty much the same in every movie that you see him in. For the most part. You know, I mean, which is, which is, I feel, uh, why you go see, you have like a favorite <laughs> actor. You, you enjoy like seeing Tom Hanks. them in those roles, in mm-hmm. those particular situations. What would it be like if Matthew McConaughey got AIDS and decided yeah. to start selling AIDS medication on a, on a black market in Dallas? Okay. What if... You've, my, you've just, you've just taught me a lesson in what I was saying. So I now have to retract my statement about 
McConaughey because he <laughs> made you he was a different. Everything. Well, dude, what he pulled off in Dallas Buyers Club, mm. what he pulled off and what Leto pulled off is, I think, film history, in my opinion, based on what I've seen in movies well, so far. Also in the Academy's opinion, too. Well, dude. Because both of them took home little gold men. Well, exactly. But those parts and the story they told with their physical body yes. and with their acting ability yes. and oh it was it was far out dude okay sorry back to but you so. know what that's that's what i think was the benefit of casting somebody like matthew mcconaughey in this kind of movie is mm-hmm. because people connect it's like why do you cast denzel washington in a movie because exactly. people connect with denzel washington so mm-hmm. no matter if it's in philadelphia as as a uh, a lawyer who's trying to defend tom mm-hmm. hanks co- that's got aids mm-hmm. or in The Equalizer, where he's playing, you know, some ex-hitman, mm-hmm. which is kind of a role he's played a few times, but, you yeah. know, it's all right. Everybody will go with him on this. Matthew McConaughey, I mean, m- most people can't really, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for most people, I guess, but I get the feeling that Matthew McConaughey probably has a movie or two that everybody somewhere out there likes. You know, they like one or two of his movies. They're like, oh, yeah, I mean, he's pretty good in this and yeah. this and whatever. Whether he's very likable. Dazed and Confused mm-hmm. or How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days yeah. or Dallas Buyers Club. So what if Matthew McConaughey, whatever version of him that you connect with, went and did some interstellar travel? And I think that's that's what he pulled off perfectly. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel the same way with Tom Cruise in a, in a way, but he just, he seems to try and create these backstories and things like that, that aren't, Mm -hmm. uh, that are uh, not necessarily something that the audience can, can relate to. I mean, he is in this movie, Matthew McConaughey plays Cooper, Cooper, uh, was he, was his first name? Oh, uh, I can't remember. We'll just call him Matthew. Matthew. No, we should look this up. Yeah, we'll look it up. Everybody just called him Coop. Coop. Yeah, that was his nickname, I guess. Uh, Cooper. That's literally all they have in IMDb? Well, that's his name under the... Let me see. It'll have his last name. It just says Cooper. Okay, so literally. They did not give him a first no name. No last name. First name. I mean, there's no last name on, the, on this, his character. Well, what I mean is that... That yes, exactly. That's the name that they gave him. But the daughter was Murphy Cooper, and okay, the son was so Tom Cooper. we never so got his real his name. First name, yes. His first name is not existent. No, no. It seems that way. Does John Lithgow ever say it? Did no, he? Does he sneak it Coop. in there? No, he calls him Coop. Interesting. Because we know the we know the grandpa's first name. Was I wonder Donald. if anybody ever throws it in there somewhere in the film where you're like, "That's his real name." I mean, and that's maybe, the only time. Maybe, but you know what? I mean, if they didn't list it as part of the credits, then it's very possible that Christopher Nolan decided not to give him a first name because that's all that they have right here. You that's didn't genius. know. You didn't know man's first name. Yeah, or brand. Brand. Who's brand? Anne Hathaway. Amelia. Yeah. Oh, it was Amelia. Yeah, yeah, because we we heard... uh, Well, it's not listed here. Oh, goodness. Because I definitely heard... I definitely heard it a, a, a couple of times today. I believe her name was Amelia. So, so you may be right. His name may be, may be there somewhere. But right now, we're just calling it Cooper. Yeah. Cooper was a very relatable, you know, typical struggling American farmer. You yeah. Know, there, was, there were a number of different elements that you could relate to with his character because mm-hmm. he has kids. He's got a good relationship with them. He laughs with them and has fun with them. But, you know, is is you know disciplinary towards him and you know does his thing i mean he's, he seems like a pretty good father to me um and that's why i that's why you you connect with him as a character it doesn't yeah. matter how he acts it's it's necessarily so much as the uh the the character that he's portraying uh, as himself as as the actor that you want to see in this particular role yeah i mean he definitely i think i mean they picked the right person for it they i did. mean because he, he he did kill it i mean he did a great job in the film hmm. you know i i i know i had some issues believing a lot of the some of the drama that was going on in the film personally in, in what way uh just i don't know i i i get bored with seeing people have the same dramas in movies um when they're in ships i don't know like whenever 
you would see people hashing out these issues they would have to face, and they're spending time arguing about something. Right. And I'm like, okay, they're so worried about time. But where are you? They're seeing wasting. The, where are you seeing this in Interstellar? Though? Um, because that's I actually had kind of the opposite thought today. Is that there seemed to be very little. I mean, there was one major. It was the scene. Anne Hathaway moments. It was the her were, following were, her like the love thing and wanting to chase her love, which was ultimately see, that's, they show you at the end of the movie that yes, you should have just trusted her to begin with because ultimately her planet is the one that actually uh, worked. But no, you shouldn't have because if they had gone, if they had trusted her and gone with her planet, he wouldn't have gone to the Tesseract and they wouldn't have. Well, true. It wouldn't have ended. The, it all worked the way in, it this, in the right to. order. What, what, what Anne Hathaway's part of the story was, was trying to introduce is the duality of um, love and, and survival instinct yeah. based on yourself versus yeah. fact and survival instinct based on an entire species. So that's what Matthew McConaughey was supposed to embody. Right. The, the marriage of the two of those because he had his skills, he had his data, and he had his facts, and he needed this information. Right. And the love that he had for his daughter, the connection that he had for his daughter is the other thing that spans time and space. And Anne Hathaway says it. So the fact that he's able to zone in on his love and touch into his, lo- his love for his daughter is what makes the Tesseract take him to that bookshelf and yeah. allows him to be able to do yeah. what he ends up doing, at, at, yeah. you know, by the end of the movie. Yeah, which I, you know, I think, I think is brilliant to do that. Yeah. And it was well written. Hmm. Um, the parts that that just kind of got me a little bit were uh, just the, a lot of the emotional scenes where they would just be like Anne Hathaway would be staring like in these ominous like. <laughs> Dead eye stares, glossed over, saying weird things in slow there motion. Were, there were a couple of things. <laughs> there were a couple of moments like that, but I didn't feel that they they you know really stuck on them too much. You know? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I just when I watch it, I'm just I'm already bored. With, I don't know what that is and why. I'm just like, yeah. I, I I don't know. I I don't know if I've seen it too many times in other movies or something. Or, so you're not a fan. No, I am a fan. Like I, I love this movie. I think it's great. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about you're not a fan of those those emotional deadpan stare type moments well, I and mean, stuff like that. It was it was it was meant as a joke. I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just glad that there was little yeah. to no personality conflict. Yeah, because that is what b- bores me when people yeah. have their egos and they get all pumped up and shit. Nothing. I I, yeah. I I I don't I don't necessarily dig watching that in a movie because yeah, I have annoying. to deal with that in human life. Yeah. Like, um, you know, and actually somebody, uh, a friend of mine mentioned that they didn't, you know, they, they, their opinion of Chris Nolan is that he lacks the ability to tap into uh, emotionality, mm-hmm. which I, I agree. And I can understand with, uh, a lot of his, a lot of his movies are, are handled less in the emotional way and more in the kind of, uh, what's necessary to get you to understand what's, what I'm, what I'm trying to think about here. Yeah. Like Inception. Um, there was, there was very little connection with me on an emotional level the first time I saw that movie. So I didn't enjoy it very much. Yeah. My second viewing of most movies is where I kind of dig into, uh, facts and, and why, and kind of start to think about what's going on at these, at these points. Um, and that's the thing I think Christopher Nolan does really well. Yeah. He, he, he has these heavy, heavy, heavy topics in his movies, man. Inception, you know, dreams and, yeah. and lucid dreaming and being able to control. There are always these interdimensional platforms, at least lately. I, I mean, mean, he's he's he thinks he thinks on a different plane. It would seem. Um, it, I don't know how much of it is him, or well, how much of it is him relying on other people to then help him translate into an emotion. Um, but. That also goes in and ties into what I said about uh, about the music. Like I feel like he orchestrated that soundtrack and everything about this movie to mm-hmm. make you feel the things he wanted you to feel. And then in the important moments where he needed you to think about what you're thinking, like you're you're in this world because you felt yeah you felt things along with these characters. Like when when Matt Damon blows the airlock and like you are literally slammed in the face by sound. Right. At that moment, you know, the explosion is just mm-hmm. so rocking. Like you've now experienced that and you're in the you're in the ships with them as they're going through these wormholes and yeah. stuff like you're shaking around. I mean, you can literally feel it in your seats. Mm-hmm. Um I it's 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 kind of a he he does emotionality for me on a different level. Uh it's it's not your typical, you know, 
can feel emotionality on the page. It's something that has to be first understood. You have to understand what you're doing as an actor and mm-hmm. as a director and the people who are involved in this. Uh, and then you have to then rely on your actors to pull off those performances while they're with their understanding of, of what it is that you're trying to achieve. Gosh, I feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm just spewing, spewing my train of consciousness everywhere right now. And I'm, that's good. That's a good way to, to, to share your soul. I hope it's right. I hope it's, I hope it's (laughs) at least followable. Not like, I think it is. I'm following along. I mean, I, I, you're right. I mean, you are right. You know, you're not saying anything that's false. You know, I feel like, um, Christopher Nolan definitely plays on, plays around in, in the, in the world of physics, in the world of, uh, astral projections to dreaming the dream world to different states of consciousness, which is basically infinite consciousness. It's infinite, uh, time space. There's no limitation anywhere. And so he writes with those, you know, with those colors you know i think there's a there's a disconnect that you have to have in order to think on paints on, with those colors plain like that though um you have to you have to give up what most people would call emotionality uh and and allow your brain to think of of us in more of our true state which makes me which dude which may be the honestly the reason why i don't really enjoy the emotional part way he makes people deal with their emotions in those movies because i don't connect to it like that i just it annoys me more than anything it. yeah it annoys is that, me is that what you mean i like i feel for it because i get them i get the emotion of these things i get it from like a, telling a story to people but i don't know man i just I get it bored does nothing for part. you. It does nothing personally. for me. Right, absolutely. You know. That's a part of humanity that you've lost. Yeah. And I, I don't say it in a in a in a bad way. Um, but what we know as humanity is is very sentimental. It's very <coughs> emotion driven. It's very exactly. connection. But I don't think centric. we're supposed to be meant we're uh, I don't think humans were are were intended to be emotionally driven species. I right. I feel like right. we've well, been taught to do it through film. That's what Michael Caine thinks as well mm-hmm. in this movie. Um and Matt Damon kind of explains it that that uh oh what's his name? Brand. Brand, yeah. Michael Caine brand. Mm-hmm. Um, had to give up his humanity in order to do what he knew to be right mm-hmm. for humanity as a as a whole. Yeah, he had to um, trick all these different guys to go on these missions. Well, he had to trick all these guys to go on these missions, but he more so had to literally say, "We're we are literally screwed." So I, I am going to pull the plug on everybody that is currently living on Earth. I has he had to do that in order to save the species because you couldn't save people here. That's that's kind of and maybe it's a little bit of a cynical way to think, but that's the that's the the thing that I just don't see right now as um when you talk about people opening their mind to truth yeah. over, you know, various topics, um mm-hmm. it's not that I don't think people would open their minds to it. I just don't think that they would even have the slightest interest in entertaining the curiosity that there could be something to open their mind to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's that's what Michael Caine had to do is is to not even give people the opportunity to disappoint yeah. and 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 ruin their chances. He just kind of was like, "No, we have to this is reset. Yeah. Has to has to do this." Um and that's I don't know. It's justifies what he did yeah. it doesn't necessarily make him a great person or whatnot but you know it's frustrating because we watch these movies and we can see we can feel this these parallels in our world yeah and what they're showing us on screen it's very similar you know yes. and so do most people sit there and ask themselves like is it too late for us or are we are they showing is someone trying to send a message out to us that we have to fix this now yeah. or we are going to become this because that's just what's happening. It's what people can do. People could create a pesticide or they create a, um, some sort of uh, bacteria that could kill and wipe out organics. Like there's people who can create shit like this well, or, or uh, a fungus. Like exactly. Uh, I mean, light. And I feel like it's happened before. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we live on a planet that look, it's one big organism and we're part of that. You know, we're organisms on this organism. Yeah. So we either do our part towards helping this thing that we're on. We're riding this rhino, you know, we're either destroying it and 
going to cause it problems until it decides to take a dip in the pool. Yeah. And wash us off and, of it. And yeah, exactly. Drown us all. I mean, it's just, it makes you go, okay, well, what can we do to uh, not get ourselves in the situation that where you have to, a Michael Caine has to pull off that kind of choice? You See, know? that, but that's just it. I mean, is that is literally where we're heading. And I feel like that's what people like Christopher Nolan uh, and gosh, several other filmmakers, I'm sure, are trying to do with the movies that they make. It's just the way that they're being made yeah. is um, it's only for people. I mean, goodness, can you imagine how bad it must have been for Noah? And yeah. I'm going to go into the, the, the Noah. The biblical Noah. Yes, the biblical Noah to have to close out to all the people and know that he and his family are the only people left that are then going to repopulate the earth. But god some some being in you know in the heavens uh decided it was necessary so in the case of interstellar that but was it was michael, in his own thoughts that was michael kane for noah it was in his own brain you well know? sure 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 exactly so exactly so even if you're going to go that route one man decided the rest of humanity is lost and these are the yeah. these are the few people that i deem worthy to go and start life again so that's exactly what Michael Caine did. Yeah. Um, it just, it's one of those things that in the moment of it, and especially with the people that are in the midst of it, uh, turns him into a monster. But at the end of the movie, when Matthew McConaughey meets his 90-year-old daughter at that point, um, it, it's, it's a, it, people look at it from a different perspective because they're in a point in which they're, they're about to start thriving again. You know what's funny is yeah. all of this rides on this. What's funny about this movie is... I think this what gets me at my core of this whole fucking movie. And here yeah. it is. Yeah. Is as brilliant as all of this is, there's still this attachment and fear of death. And it's like Ooh. at this point it's like who cares about all this shit? Like, okay, so Michael Caine knew he's pulling the plug, but people are still struggling to survive and survive, but it's not our physical beingness. It's our spirits that go on forever. Right. It's our consciousness that technically goes on forever. Well, but you that's know? not the that that was not the point that they were trying to focus on for this particular movie. So I can understand why it might have been. But do you know what I'm saying? Like glossed over. If if it's this fear of we could we could be left behind, like we were left here to just die. Like, but that's what that's what the left behind. And that's the fear. Too, it's like the know? oh god, we can't do this. But it's like technically, no one should really fear death. Mm -hmm. We've been taught to fear death. Why do we fear death? If, if we don't fear it, did you walk we out start of there, building things. Did you walk out of there with a, fear, with a fear mindset, though? I walked out of it going, I really hope people get this movie in a positive way. Like, but what about you, your mindset? Like, Did you leave with a mindset of, I feel like they were trying to scare me into reacting and doing something about it, or... I feel like they're trying to inspire me to to feed this creativity that's deep inside me about what it is that I'm supposed yeah. to be doing in this world, whether it's exploring. I think there's many space. levels that you can take from it. I mean, there, there, there is no right way to see this movie. No, no, I know, but I'm asking you personally, what did you feel walking out me personally? Of this movie I felt theater? like they he put together a film that basically um, gives people a, an insight to interstellar travel and what mm -hmm. that may look like. Yeah. Um, from the relativity of, you know, spending an hour on a planet over there and it's seven years seven for years, us. It yeah. kind of gives people that kind of perspective. So I feel like his film is trying to pull that together for people. To me, I feel ultimately it's still a story that talks about the demise of a, of a population of people. And I, I, I know it's. I know there's there's a survival story where they do go on, but they're still they left their planet. They still leave this planet. Yes. So it's an abandonment of what we have here right now. There's still stories being pushed where it's like everyone thinks we have to just leave here. Like there's just like there's no hope for humanity. I specifically today left there with the the same kind of adventurous excitement that I got out of a Dark Knight movie yeah. or Indiana Jones movie at the end, you know, it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, the next adventure. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was kind of, I like, I took note of that, but it was not necessarily the most surprising thing in the world for me to, to yeah. have that reaction because of the same thing I thought about if I were asked, would I go? And I, I, I really do think I would, yeah. um, especially at this moment in my life right now. Um, I don't think I would I don't think I would kid myself mm -hmm. to think that in 15 years, if I have a family and somebody offered me that same thing, I wouldn't kid myself to think that my 
true feelings had changed, but yeah. I would have other things weighing on my actual decision making process. I might decide something different, but I would, I would still know that that was what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I feel like so it just, that's why it, I would take that from this movie is what I was meaning yeah. is, is, is I just have this, this sense of excitement and, and, and yeah. pioneering spirit. I'm going to have, a, I, I definitely, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I didn't not like it. I, I did. I think the story to me, I'm just, I'm ready for stories, honestly, in movies that are inclusive to, I think our, our current situation. Like, I just feel like these movies show us how disposable humans are looked at as like people are just disposable and I know it. And like, it's, it's, it's crazy how important we are together, Yeah. but how it's just a perpetual mindset in, I don't know, these grim outlooks on just the mass population of people. But you know, what's great about uh, some of these grim outlook movies, you know, of, of, you know, sometime in the not too distant future, this happens in the humanity, yeah. blah, 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 like this. This is set, I again, I didn't really, I couldn't really grasp when it was set, but it seems as if it's set, let's just say 75 years in the future. Yeah. Not, not that long. Um, but the great thing about these kinds of movies is that they do kind of allow for a buffer. They allow, yeah. they allow some buffer between present and, and that movie's present. Mm-hmm. Um, by which it's like, okay, so we don't know what's going to happen. And here's one possible story and one possible outcome. The, the parts that I was desperately looking for from this movie, uh, and I, I, feel, I feel he stoked he stoked some fires in my brain that I never would have known to be looking for. Yeah. Um, <coughs> about, uh, you know, space travel and all those kinds yeah. of things. But um, he definitely opened my mind to a different way of viewing how these movies are, are intended, the audience that these movies are intended for. Like he, he's got to straddle this line between people who are going to see a Christopher Nolan movie mm-hmm. and people who are going to see a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Like those people are there to think the things that he thinks Absolutely. In, in the way that they want to see the concepts that he's pondering in his head and, and, uh, that just sparks a fire in their brains to be like, oh goodness, okay, so maybe just for shits and giggles, I I might go and 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 study the theory of study, research the theory of relativity, and and just because there are various elements of this movie that I don't understand, and I feel like if I did get a chance to understand them because of that thinking on a different level, yeah, um, aspect of it, then I, you know I'm going to continue to make myself smarter through these people who do have this information. Absolutely, I do. Yeah. They're they're presenting me uh, a platform by which to to learn mm-hmm. and observe and to to kind of fill my head with more knowledge that is is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean you're least. right, and you're right, and that's a good. I mean that's a very good assessment. I think overall of what that film would more accurately, uh, you know, as an it, as an artist, it would be an honor to be able to share something like that. It would be. And spark someone's interest to explore further. Ideally, that's what these will be. Yeah. So, gosh, end of a show already. Yeah. I'm Ian. And I'm Joe, and let's get the hell out of here through this wormhole. We gotta go. Follow us on Twitter at high underscore dare. And be sure to check us out online at entertheelftree.com for all you old school dot comers. <laughs>